Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoryamus. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamus to help us continue to make high quality and Torytainment for you. We don't understand our real purpose as a people. We don't. That's very obvious. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And the only reason I'm beginning, just beginning to understand my purpose is because I'm opening myself up to many ways of thought that's passed through the ages. I mean, you have to read things that visionaries have written to get vision. Yes, I think it can come internally, it can come from within, but I do believe you're so saturated with such unbelievable small-mindedness and, oh God, just, it's a really dark age way of thinking some of what we've got going on. You know, we really are a bit arrogant in the way we think as a people. What, we're the only civilization that exists? Planet Earth? What about planet Earth? Doesn't it have its own course? Where's it going? It's just going to hang out with us because we really know what we're doing with it? I mean, that's, that's a bit boring, I think. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We are your hosts. I'm Efren Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And on this episode, we're talking about Sweet Dreams, a B-side from Tori's first album, Little Earthquakes. I am pretty excited. I've been looking forward to this episode. Really? Yeah. Can I tell you why? Please. You do a thing sometimes, and I've realized you don't do it consistently, which is kind of disappointing to me, but I find it to be very endearing. Sometimes you say sweet dreams. You put the emphasis on that syllable, and I just love it. It makes me happy. But you just, you didn't do it now, just introducing the episode, so I'm a little disappointed. But I've been looking forward to hearing you say sweet dreams, as opposed to sweet dreams. Wow. These knives in my back every time I open up. (laughs) Do you consider that some kind of betrayal? No, I, I do that on purpose. You know, like Land O'Lakes, <laughs> like Margarine. Tori Amos. Tori Amos. It's that type of thing. Merman. I don't know why. I find it to be delightful. Well, I am just a delight, I guess. You are. When we were talking about why she had to record extra B-sides for China, you were like, yeah, we're sweet dreams. And for some reason, that really just like landed, <laughs> landed hard with me. So I've been looking forward to hearing you say that multiple times in an episode. And here we are. Please do it. Thank you. Oh, well, here we are. We'll see what happens. I love to deliver and I partially love to withhold. <laughs> Yes, and I feel like now that you know I want something, you're just going to withhold it, but that's okay. Well, you never know. You never know. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in, and mm. I just woke up, and I have my coffee. I might not do it till after I've processed some of this coffee. <laughs> okay, that's fine. There's nothing I love more than volatility and unpredictability. <laughs> yeah. How are you, David? I'm excellent. 
I'm looking forward to this dream analysis we're going to be doing. That's actually not a bad idea to have a dream expert on the show. Yeah. Or maybe we should just watch Dream Warriors. We both love that. Mm-hmm. Sweet mm-hmm. Dream Warriors. Mm, what a mashup. Uh, oh my God. What if that's my tour request? What if I ask her to do Dream Warriors by Dawkins and a Sweet Dreams mashup? You know what? I'm here for you getting what you need. <laughs> so good luck. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like this song was written in the 80s. It sounds like one of those holdovers, like written around the time of China. So I think I could sort of present it that way. Like do an 80s style mashup, Sweet Dreams, Dream Warriors. Sweet Dream Warriors. Throw in Eurythmics also, why not? Which he's done before, I think. Sweet Dream Warriors are made of this. Everybody's done Eurythmics. I've sang Eurythmics at karaoke. So good. And my list of karaoke songs is not long. What else is on it? A Thousand Oceans? Yeah, a Thousand Oceans. Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, of course. That's my go-to. Why are they all dream songs? Interesting. What are you trying to say? What do you have to say? Just that I have a lush interior life. <laughs> I like that you say this sounds like the 80s because it really, really does. And I feel like there's something about this song that reminds me of Mary. It reminds me of China. These feel part of the like package that is dated. Because if you listen to Little Earthquakes now, 30 years later, it's as fresh as it ever was. In my opinion, like it still lands. It still slaps. It still hits. It sure does. And can I tell you a brief story about that? It's on topic. Don't worry. You know how I've told the story about my classmate in eighth grade who played Crucify in my religion class? Mm-hmm. I've never, well, I'm not like friends with her IRL and I haven't like seen any sign of her since our 12th grade graduation, but I got all wrapped up in the nostalgia of the 30th anniversary of Little Earthquakes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find Liz Giltner and reach out to her if she's on Facebook and send her a message. Is this going to be weird? I don't know, maybe, but I think if someone impacts your life in a positive way, like they should know. So I found her and I sent her a thank you message and was like, I don't know if you would remember this, but you played Crucify in our eighth grade class and it had like a butterfly effect on my life that I never would have predicted. So I just wanted to, whatever. And then I sent it and I was like, oh my God, she's going to think like this is so weird. (laughs) But she sent me a super sweet message back and I was like, whew, okay, I'm so glad I did that. And then I was making dinner and I was like, well, obviously I'm going to listen to Little Earthquakes on the 30th anniversary. And I was all emotional about it between Liz Giltner and Crucify came on and I was like, oh my God. I was like weepy over my pan of, maybe it was just the onions. Maybe it was Crucify, who can say? But anyway, it was a moment, thank you. That's really sweet. 30 years later, how this album still can hit different. Those quakes hit different. They sure do. This song is part of the B-side package that to me feels a little dated. Like this one with Mary and China. they all just feel etched in time, I guess, you know? Like a part of that time. I agree. They almost feel like a different project to me. Mm -hmm, For sure. Even a different artist. No, I wouldn't go that far. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could say every Tory album sounds like a different artist because they're so different and diverse. So, But here's the thing that I've always thought about Tori Amos is that there is a strong political lean or a strong political read that you can get from her work that runs throughout her work. For example, I mean, like she's kind of always tackled America. She's kind of always tackled the politics of our country. And if this song had been, like, if this song and Mary had made it onto Little Earthquakes, I understand what you mean by almost a different artist. Meaning, she really landed and she really hit with people because it was like the diary entry was her sort of dealing with herself first, right? That's what Little Earthquakes is about. And that was a little different than if she's also going outward and talking about acid rain and talking about run by a constipated man. It's like, it's always been there in her work, but the heart of it 
and the beginning of it, the nucleus of it is just like dealing with the self. And that's what really resonated, I think, with her fan base. Yeah, you're so right. And looking at Sweet Dreams and Mary specifically, they almost have like a protest lean to them or like some element of political activism. Kind of. And if either one of these or both of them had been included on the album, I think it would have been a totally different thing. Yeah, it would have felt different. And Take to the Sky almost too, because it was like Russia. This house is like Russia. Like, oh shit, she said Russia. This is serious. Oh my God. During the Cold War? (laughs) That's more serious than a cola war, maybe. Yeah. But I do love Sweet Dreams. How do you feel about this song? It's jaunty. And it's really catchy. It is catchy, that's for sure. I find myself sometimes, even when I haven't listened to it for a very long time, in my head I have like, hazy, daisy, Susan. Or is it lazy? It's lazy. Of course it's lazy, because a daisy Susan is not a thing. Anyway, sometimes, (laughs) even if I haven't heard the song for a long time, I might forget some of the lyrics, but I find myself singing, I got a hazy, lazy Susan. It's the punch of Susan that I really appreciate. It's one of those songs where there's a riff that always kind of sticks in my head. You know, like the Hungarian wedding song riff is always in my head. Dun, 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 dun. Well, I also have dun, 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 always. I love it. And it's indelibly marked with Take to the Sky. Like they are linked together forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Is it the bucket dunk 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 riff that you're thinking about? Bow, bow, bow. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Oh, I have a question for you, David. Yes. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Dwayne. Dwayne Anderson. Dwayne Anderson. Thank you for asking. <laughs> no, but who's your daddy? Mm, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who is my daddy? I don't... Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is this like a sexual question? I don't know how to answer this. No, it's who's your daddy? George H.W. Bush. Oh, well, he's the titular diddy, except his name <laughs> is not in the... He's not in the title, so I guess he's not really... But. Sweet Bush dreams. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mr. I don't get it. I don't know how you can have sweet bush dreams, but like whatever works for you. SB dreams. <laughs> Do you recall the first time you heard the song and what you thought of it? Yeah, I got that limited edition winter single. Which is still on the shelves, which you can still buy new on the shelves. Yes, that's the only thing Best Buy sells now is the limited right. edition. And once they're finally out of inventory, they're going to go out of business. So mm-hmm. get it while you can. So what do you think? Sorry. I think even on first listen, this felt like an outlier to me. And not because, you know, take to the guy and sweet dreams are both kind of upbeat and percussion heavy but this still felt different to me i think it's a little more playful and light but just the production about it i don't know again something about it seems like it comes from a different world but i thought it was fun because it is how about you I thought it was fun. I loved singing it. I really, really liked learning the words to this song. I think this probably knocked off my lifelong obsession with learning words to complicated songs and then just like the hardest rap. No one's impressed when you can do it, but I feel like they are. I am. Well. You mean no one's impressed when you can do any complicated song, period, or specifically Sweet Dreams? No one's impressed when you can do any complicated song and you like steal the mic and then you force them to watch you do the complicated part of the song. That's not true. I was just going to ask you to do the TLC rap from Waterfalls. I seen a rainbow yesterday, but too many storms have come. Yeah, no, you got it. No, not everybody's as excited as you, David. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't be worried about other people. Let's just amuse each other. But no, I really enjoyed learning the words of the song. I really enjoyed singing the song and it was more playful and light, but it is not a playful song in terms of the subject matter that she's tackling. 
but it is very jaunty is a great word that you used. It is very upbeat in a weird way. Can I ask you what your process was for learning the lyrics? Was it just sheer repetition of listening to the song? Or did you sit down with the booklet one day and say like, no, I will conquer these sweet dreams by the end of the day? There are some songs that I've had to actually like pull up the lyrics, not Tori Amos usually. Like my process with Tori, as I've learned and solidified over the years, but I've really realized what my process was with Ocean to Ocean, is that I don't ever look at the lyrics. I just listen to it incessantly. And then they somehow just transfer into my body. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm singing it, if after I've learned most of the words and I'm singing it and I don't know what she's saying, like for a line or a phrase, then I'll hit the lyric book. But I totally agree. Yeah. I don't think you can have any fun misheard lyrics moments if you're instantly with the lyric book. Right. But I realized at some point, too, that I'd also enrolled in a Tori Amos immersion course. Okay. Where it was like, we're just going to start speaking it to each other. Oh, and yeah. then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, como se Tori? Like, I got it. And like, you know all the words. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. It just happens. But you got to learn how to speak Tori Amos. You have to really immerse yourself in full Tori knowledge. And that's why we're here to help you. Yes, we are your Rosetta Sword and Stone. First of all, we'd like to say thank you to Shay Stymac, our archivist, our historian, and the purveyor of sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. You sound like a Jennifer Coolidge character when you do that. You're like, oh, sweet. You look like the 4th of July. (laughs) No, I can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it. No, I can't. I got a hazy, lazy shazen, and I just can't do it. Shazen. Sweet dreams. Watch your little black shape run. Black shape. (laughs) Thank you, Shay, for all that you do. Thanks, Shay. Also today, we've invited new friend Chrissy Matthews into the Drive All Night Studios, where she is going to talk to us about a connection that she's made with this song and Tom Bigby. And we're going to discuss politics. You know, we're turning this into the Colbert Report for just a few minutes. (laughs) Anyhow, should we get on with it? Yeah, let's get on with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's dream this into being. Oh my God, let's sweetly dream it into being. I agree with that. Okay. Since there are very few covers of Sweet Dreams that exist out there, in fact, none that we could find, really, we're going to start with a different Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. We've all heard it.
family development. What kind of development? Nobody's talking about the truth. And that's what really gets me. The reason Ice-T is saying what he's saying, it comes from somewhere. This anger comes from a real place. I think there's a segment of people that want to... I think the reason that you see the backlash as you do, and this is totally my speculation, is that people are afraid of that. Absolutely. People want to push it away. They want to say, well, if I say this isn't happening, then it's not happening. And that's the reason you saw him just totally get shunned off to the side. And, and everybody was saying, well, that's, that's just totally bogus. It needs to be taken off the shelves and you can't sell the record. And, and, and nobody really gets to the heart of the issue that this is going on. We need to do something about that's it. That's right. So. And... I truly believe that the visionaries of the future, they're the ones that are listening to the music right now. They're the ones I, I go, where are you so I can vote for you? Yeah. Where are you? You need to run this country because the old guard, the 60s guard, has let us down. Yeah. They, you know, they think that holding on to their memories is enough um, to qualify them to be conscious now. No. It's what you do today. And I just feel like it's okay to admit that a lot of lies have been going on, but there has been a numbness. There's been this numbness of happy America. And living overseas, I've really seen this. And it's been a very hard meal to swallow. But I got some objectivity. And there, there are problems all over the world in every country. There is no utopia. But one of the biggest problems with this country is the fact that it's so, um, it is so self-righteous. And it refuses to look at uh, its guilt and its fears and its shame. Whereas you go to England, they're all ready to tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> You know, they have no problems telling you where the problems are. We are so afraid of problems. Yeah, exactly. Instead of saying, come on, hang out, let's get a cinnamon roll <laughs> and um, have a little chat. Nobody wants to accept the blame. And we should say, because you live in England now, and you really get a perspective being somewhere else, and you're not submitted to the media every night. You don't turn on the news every night in England, and you don't see the news that you see here. So if you're walking down the street and you see uh, an American newspaper... The headlines really stand out to you yes. to be somewhere else looking on it from the outside as opposed to be inside of it every day. Sweet Dreams originally appears on the UK winter single released on March 8th, 1992, and it reappears on the winter limited edition maxi single US version, which was released in November of 1992. The next time we see this song is on November 18th, 2003, re-recorded for Tales of a Librarian, the Who's Your Daddy version. Mm. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Give it to me, Tori. I wish I'd actually said that on the album track listing in parentheses. Oh. The Who's Your Diddy mix? Yeah, the Who's Your Diddy mix. Who's your diddy? Who's your daddy? Diddy. The next time we see the song is on disc A, the Little Earthquake's extended disc of A Piano, her 2006 retrospective, of course remastered. <laughs> released in September of 2006 and then the last time this appears in her catalog to date is on Four Legs and Boots in 2007 Montreal, Indianapolis, Nashville and Fort Myers. Let's play Nashville, Oliver. It feels a little country. Go on, go on, go on, go on and dream your house is on fire. Yeah. 
when we heard Scarlet's Walk and feel however you want about Amber Waves, we already knew a sort of fairy tale. So the third track, Wednesday, was like really the departure. And it was a little country, right? Wednesday lives in the same world to me as <laughs> Sweet Dreams, sonically, acoustically, sound-wise. I'm trying to think, not that I don't know what the song sounds like, but I'm trying to think if the first word I would use is country, personally. For Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, that was the first word I used instantly, like the moment I heard it. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing here to fear. Oh, well, when yeah. you do that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> boom, wow, wow. Nothing here to fear. I'm just sitting around being foolish. I feel like there's a little bit of that flavor here. Even though it's not at all country, I still feel like... You know what? To me, it's almost more like Disney soundtrack. Really? Kind of. I could like almost hear it on the Lion King soundtrack. She's like, well, I just can't wait to have sweet dreams. It's like, I just can't wait to be king or something. Oh, interesting. I'd love to see a Broadway musical of Tori's life using sweet dreams as she gets to LA. Yeah. Or even when she's five and she becomes disenchanted with like the system, the Peabody system. (laughs) And she's like, la, 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 everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that. It's younger Tori. It's like played by a different actress. It's her big solo. (laughs) Yes. You know, five-year-old Tori hated bureaucracy. Oh, she did. Red tape. She even talks about it. Yeah. She knew right away when they were trying to get her to play hot cross buns. She's like, excuse me? I want to play the Beatles. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Hot cross buns. What's your favorite version of this song? Do you prefer the Ridge? Do you prefer the demo? Oh, we didn't even play the demo. I know. Oh, this song is one of the few that we have a demo for. Roll the demo, Oliver, and play a little bit of it. Let it run. So there's some extra lyrics in that demo, and here they are. Charm, 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 hanging on to the politician. The chain is pretty thick, baby. So is the rap about the dream you got for the American. Dang. Lie, lie, lies you tell for the big businessman. They got the earth in a sling. They got the world on her knees. They even got your zipper between their teeth. She's She's got something to say. She's in it. <laughs> she is. This is a takedown. This is a diss track. It is a diss track. I agree. I would like to address something real quick. Please. I have taken a hard line stance on this idea of demos in the past. I know. And I was like fully willing to acknowledge that like obviously the winter is was a demo. We have a demo of that. But I was kind of questioning at least the leather demo. 
Oh, yeah. And I would like to walk that back and demonstrate a flexibility of mind and a willingness to change my position. For the leather demo. I do believe that we have demos of all these little earthquake songs that are marked as such. Particularly because, as you pointed out, like she sent out a lot of tapes and there were things circulating. And at that point, too, it was so easy to copy a tape, right? So that coupled with the fact that she was not an established artist in any way. So I don't think there was any kind of, you know, confidentiality or an attempt to prevent leaks. I totally believe that this stuff got out. I think what I'm primarily thinking of is the under the pink quote unquote demos that are on the Tory Stories bootleg. Yeah. I definitely don't think at that point, I think there was like a tighter lid being kept on things. And also they were like recording in Taos, like with a small team. I just don't happen to think that those are demos. Those sound like radio show appearances to me of the under the pink songs, but little earthquakes. Yes, for sure. Demos. I mean, I don't know about the leather demo, but I do obviously like there are some demos like the winter's obviously a demo and this sweet dreams is obviously a demo. It's got a whole different arrangement production. They're clearly working it out. <laughs> like how do we make it sound less 80s? That's where they went. I kind of buy leather as a demo because the piano solo is different than it appears on the album. Like she's still kind of working it out. And she doesn't really, aside from playing with the tempo of it live, she doesn't really mess with the arrangement or like the, you know, the musical backbone of the leather bridge. So I kind of see that conceivably being a demo. Anyway. Well, you'll have to do an addendum to the leather episode. This no, is Sweet Dreams. we can't keep going backwards. I buy this as a demo, though. This is clearly, to me, a demo and kind of funkier in a way, like with the little bongos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this and the winter demo because you can really imagine her and like maybe Eric sitting around her apartment with kind of like primitive programming equipment trying to knock these out. It's very charming and homespun. I agree. Which is your favorite version? The demo version, the released version, or the Who's Your Diddy? And why? The released version. Why? I think because of the nostalgia that I have for it. And, you know, it's kind of a time capsule of a point in time when Tori was putting little earthquakes together. So I just think it has an energy that can't be recaptured. And the 2003 version isn't quite as effervescent. The tempo seems like a little slower and it seems like a little heavier sonically with their percussion. I don't know. I just, I much prefer the LE version, the Le, the Le version. <laughs> How about you? The Le version. <laughs> um, you know what? Each of these versions has a very special place in my heart. So the Sweet Dreams Le version, the winter limited edition maxi single version, I love of course, because that's how I learned the song. And then I heard the demo, probably five to seven, eight years later, I heard the demo. And that was like my first experience with a Tory demo where I was like, oh, I see what the point of a demo is. Like, you know, I felt like I was getting a peek into the process with the demo. So I fell in love with the demo. And it's still to this day, as far as I know, except for like the demos that were released on a piano, it's still one of the few demos that we have that have different lyrics. You know, you get like your occasional, you know, you get your Violet's Eyes, which was a whole different thing but this is the song but she's like working out the lyrics and i love that because you know there's that demo of i think smells like teen spirit where like all the lyrics are different so what <laughs> yeah
I love that. Then thirdly, the Who's Your Daddy version is so meaningful to me because I was on tour and that's how she was performing it on tour. That's how she recorded it. And I'm like, girl, get it. Get it, girl. <laughs> like, yes, put that to tape. And she was feeling herself and we all were, you know. We were feeling her too. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to ask you who your diddy is. Who's your daddy? Oh, my diddy is a man named Roberto Bob Jr. He's my father. <laughs> but my diddy is Sweet Bee Dreams, George H.W. Bush. He's my diddy. Oh my God, he's co-parenting us. Oh, it's so sweet. No, that's that's not that's not what I'm not using that term correctly because he's only one person. <laughs> I know, but does we're that... co-children. We're stepsisters. <laughs> we're stepsisters. Of course, of course. Thank you. God, see the terminology of a broken family just rolls off my tongue. Mm. You are like, what is this co-parenting? Stepsis? What? <laughs> Fully married parents. <laughs> Stop. You're like, mister, I don't know how you can have sweet dreams. <laughs> this song, as it's listed on the Little Earthquakes maxi single version, is produced by David Seegerson with piano vocal by Tori Amos, mixed by John Beverly Jones, and featuring the sub dudes who we did try to get an interview with, but they never responded, sadly. If you don't know, the Subdudes are an American roots rock group from New Orleans with members John Magny, Johnny Ray Allen, Steve Amadi, and Tommy Malone. Isn't that amazing? Did they play on anything else? I don't think so. I mean, other things in their lives, but not well, Tori Amos. sorry. And of course, on any other Tori songs. Does anyone exist if they're not playing with Tori? Yeah. Honestly. Can you imagine if someone established a band specifically to play on Sweet Dreams and then they broke up? Yeah. They were <laughs> like, well, up, like, it's well, never going to get any better than this. So let's quit while we're ahead. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Have you ever had a fantasy of being a one-hit wonder and putting out like one incredibly popular breakthrough song and then just like withdrawing from the spotlight? No. And living off of your income from your one hit song me either definitely not no no but i have had a dream of creating a body of work that really lands you know really is the uh really hits the zeitgeist of our time and then deleting everything like the klf did oh my god that's like performance art yeah it's like you should have gotten it while it was out there but how do you delete something though you delete the masters you delete the masters everything's digital boom boom erased okay but there's still like copies out there well, there's still copies if you bought them in the day. Oh but my God, like, we need to figure out how to do like, and I'm sure this exists and I'm going to sound like ridiculous, but can we figure out how to do audio NFTs? Well, yeah, audio NFTs are a thing and you're not sounding ridiculous. They are a thing. Oh my God, I'm a technological wizard. I actually know how to make NFTs, but that's neither here nor there. I think it is. <laughs> it's here and there. <laughs> here, there and everywhere. That's where Emily is, wherever we may find her. Unfortunately, David... I hate to break it to you, but this song falls into the category of songs where there's like really no quotes about the song from Tori. Mm. Why do you think that is? I do feel like this is kind of one of those songs that slips through the cracks. And it was very, very rare for a while. I remember on Plugged, the first non-club show I went to was in Nashville. <laughs> Someone had been warming her up and requesting sweet dreams for a long time. And that was like one of the ways Doors sold me on coming to Nashville for a single show. She was like, David, <laughs> word on the street is she's going to do sweet dreams. You don't want to miss this because it's going to be like one time only. And I was like, you're right. I absolutely have to fly to Nashville to see sweet dreams, which <laughs> she did it. So, And was it worth it? Totally. Thank God. Thank God you were there. <laughs> yeah. 
But this song will remain a little bit of a mystery, and I'm kind of okay with that. That can be positive in a relationship, and I consider that sort of applicable to our relationship too. You will always remain a little bit of a mystery as my partner. That's how we keep like the erotic energy going um, between us. You're going to cut that? <laughs> yes. To me, the song is not a mystery, though. I hear the song in the framework of early Tori, you know, like when she's really trying to figure out who she is as an artist, kind of. Because it doesn't feel as honest. I mean, it feels honest. It feels like an honest song and like she's really doing a takedown. But like it doesn't feel like she's approaching any subject matter that exposes herself too much, you know, or that really cuts to the heart of things. So it feels to me like it will always live in that in-between period between Why Can't Toy Read and Little Earthquakes, you know? And that's maybe why, like, she doesn't really talked about it. She hasn't talked about a lot of stuff in that time. I almost feel like she gave herself a homework assignment. Interesting. I can see, like, the other Little Earthquake songs, most of them anyway, coming naturally, the way she's described after YKTR and everything. But this almost feels to me like maybe she was sitting in her fairy ring with those envelopes and she was like, I'm going to challenge myself to write a political song where I comment on the world around me because the other songs on this album, except for Mary, maybe are not at all like that. So that's one of the reasons why it feels different to me. It's like storytelling, not storytelling, Tori, but kind of observational Tori. Yeah. More so than the others. This is definitely not like diary. I mean, maybe. Do people write in their diaries about George Bush? I bet Barbara did. (laughs) It is not her examining her own life, but like her observing. That is a huge part of who she is as an artist, if you track throughout her career. Beyonce dreams into like, yo, George, dark side of the sun. Even, you know, as recently as Up the Creek, that's what makes Ocean to Ocean Land so deeply is because it's not that anymore. Mm. Except for like the title track, maybe. Mm. There are those who never give a goddamn. I sing that so much. Me too. (laughs) I get like messy. There are those who never give a goddamn. There are those who don't give a goddamn. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. So I feel like that observational aspect of her work has always been there, will always be there. And that's just part of who she is. But I'm sort of glad that we didn't start there in Little Earthquakes, you know. I think they made the right choices. Me too. And I don't want to point out the obvious, but I just want to make sure nothing goes unsaid. Do what you want. We know or think that this song was written at least in part as kind of a criticism of the Bush administration, right? Right. And is that why or it is why it came screaming back? In 2002-3, because we were sitting with another bush? Well, (laughs) I think so, absolutely. But I have some quotes on it. Would you like to hear? Yeah. This is from the Atlantic Records press release for Tales of a Librarian. And it says... Two songs, Mary and Sweet Dreams, were originally slated for release on Little Earthquakes, but were cut from the final album. Amos retract the songs with her current bassist, John Evans, and drummer Matt Chamberlain. She says, I don't think they were brought to their zenith, and I thought the songs were still valid. Disagree. You don't think they're still valid? No, I yes, I agree with that. I disagree oh. with the fact that they weren't brought to their zenith. No, I hear what she's saying. Like, kind of with Sugar. Like, she still felt it had a little life left to give, you know? Like, there's something here to mine. She found the Who's Your Daddy. Who's your daddy? Do you think it makes sense that she chose to re-record both Mary and Sweet Dreams as opposed to Sugar, for example? Like, why did she choose to re-record those two songs and kind of pair them together on a Greatest Hits collection as opposed to one of the other Little Earthquakes besides? Probably because of what you said. I think that we were living through a really 
dark political moment. Of course, it ended up, spoiler alert, getting way darker. But at the time, like, we, we didn't know. I know. I think about that all the time. Like, when she was so fired up on the Scarlet's yeah. Walk tour. And it's like, oh, adorable, cute. How we, quaint. Right. How quaint. <laughs> how quaint we all were. Totally. <laughs> Seriously. It was about to get 10 times worse. Yeah, but at least. We had no idea. <laughs> no, no earthly idea. But I think that that has a lot to do with it. The Mary and the Sweet Dreams, like it was a a political thing that she was responding to in the current moment with the current president or that at that time, you know, so. Can I reveal something slightly embarrassing to you? Sure. When I was seven years old, I went to a Bush political rally (laughs) and saw George Bush give a speech when he was running for president. Really? Yes. I was very active in the Republican Party when I was seven years old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we're sharing secrets, can I reveal one to you? Yes. I was in freshman government class with my teacher, Miss Simonin, who hated my mother, who was my mom's government teacher when my mom was in middle school. Whoa. And hated my mother, and I think hated me for it. This is generational trauma. I didn't know anything. I was a dumb kid, and I didn't know anything about what political party was what. We had to like do a political like an assignment. She asked us everybody our our party affiliations, and I said Republican. And this bitch looked at me with a side eye, like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yes." And then because she doubted me, I became very staunchly Republican my freshman year. Then even my mother was like, "I don't think you're a Republican." Like, "Are you sure?" I hadn't even come out of the closet yet, but she's like, "You faggot, you gay." She's like, why do you hate yourself? Yeah, like, please don't follow this path. But then once I realized the gays are on the left. I love the fact that you and I are basically Lucille Ball. Yeah. (laughs) In so many ways. But this is part of the framework of the newish Aaron Sorkin film being the Ricardos with Nicole Kidman. Oh, that poor woman. It is revealed that very early Lucille Ball registered as a communist in her life and it came to light. So now we're all being exposed. It's like, sorry, we just just checked a box. We were trying to please people. We didn't know. I didn't know. I really didn't. And I guarantee you, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I'm probably pretty sure that the reason I chose Republican is because there was the cutest boy in the class on that side. So that's probably why we need to get into this tell me more about that no too (laughs) much to unpack because i found another quote about sweet dreams would you like to hear this quote sure not as interested in that but go ahead (laughs) fine this is from the electronic press kit for tales of a librarian would you like to hear me read it or would you like to hear toy yourself say it oh i really would prefer to hear you but let's give a shot Uh, let's give tori a shot well it's your lucky day david because that part of the epk has been lost so i'm gonna have to read it for tori Okay. She says, because I've included God and crucify on the album, which takes us from the father and son archetype in the Christian mythology idea, I felt like we had to have the father and son archetype politically with George W. and George Sr. I wrote Sweet Dreams and recorded it in 1990, singing about events then. And strangely enough, when I was listening to it on the multis again, I realized that this was very topical now and that we are reliving some of the same feelings again. That in the mid-90s, when I was writing Playboy Mommy, for instance... I never thought that we would be living again. I talk about American soldiers in Playboy Mommy, not thinking about that I'd be getting letters from American soldiers, which I did a few months ago, saying, I'm going somewhere, taking Scarlet with me to the Indian Ocean, taking Scarlet and trying to be true to my beliefs, but I'm torn. 
and these feelings were with me as I was compiling the record. So we re-recorded Sweet Dreams with a new arrangement. Where in the Dewey Decimal System would I find reference material on overthinking things? Hey, I appreciate that she puts this much thought into her work because honestly, like, the product of it is really remarkable. Sweet Dreams, Who's Your Daddy version? Thank God we have it. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Of course, I love that too. And you think I would have any kind of leg to stand on if I were going to criticize someone for overthinking things when I co-host a podcast where we talk about a single song for three hours? Please. I'm just saying. (laughs) Pot, meat, kettle. Yes, exactly. Pot, kettle, overthinking. Pot, kettle, you're gay. (laughs) This is a quote from Spectrum Magazine, November 16th, 2003. It's called Tales of a Librarian, so therefore you open up your package and each song is under a certain heading. We've attributed each song to a category. So for example, the song Sweet Dreams is filed under Administration of George Bush, 1989 to 1983. In case anyone is wondering, it's 973.928. Speaking of card catalogs. (laughs) Thoughts? I can't believe George Bush administration has its own section of the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, you need it. How do we get one? Where does Tori Amos scholarship fall? One. Number one. Number one. (laughs) through 0.002. I believe that to be true. We have plenty of entries in the Dewey Decimal System on iTunes. (laughs) This is from The Story of Tori by Erica Berg, which was published somewhere. I don't know where, but we found it. And it says, two newly penned songs, Angels and Snow Cherries from France, provide a glimpse into Amos's current headspace, while Mary and Sweet Dreams, originally intended for Little Earthquakes, but cut from the final album, are a treat for fans hungry for new old material. And I'm always hungry for new old material. I know. We love leftovers. Truly. It's like making soup out of a completely different dish the night before or something. Yeah, like a uh, pizza soup. And when I'm making, <laughs> yeah, when I'm making pizza soup, I'm always like, who's your diddy? Bam, 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 in my apron, just like bopping around the kitchen. That's how I do it. Who's your diddy? Who's your diddy? Papa John's. <laughs> This is from Hot Press, Ireland, November 2003. So all these quotes are about the remaster, but here's another one. It says, One song which features on Tales of a Librarian, Sweet Dreams, was originally considered too political for her debut album, Little Earthquakes. Oh my gosh. She was a lightning rod. A fact that is somewhat ironic, considering it is probably even more relevant in 2003. Quote, Sweet Dreams was originally written when George Bush Sr. was invading Iraq, and who would have thought that we'd be here again more than 10 years later with the sun attacking the same country? While her relationship with her country of birth can sometimes be stormy, Tori Amos has always enjoyed a tremendous love affair with Ireland, (laughs) says the Irish magazine. This is another quote from the Canberra Times, and this comes from January 1st, 2004. Happy New Year. Tori says, when I wrote that, Sweet Dreams, in late 1989-1990 about the current George Bush's father and where we are heading at that time, I had no idea that the song would ever be relevant again. We had moved on as a country. We were never going back to that place, never going back, no way. On my knees that day, head in my hands, at your feet, this I swear, I have crawled my way back. At that point, the journalist was just like snapping his fingers in Tori's face. He was like, Tori, Tori, (laughs) come back. Come back, come back, come back. Nothing happened. I even didn't play it that much. People would request it and I'd say, no, this is silly. It's like walking down Republican Lane. Why would you? And then it becomes quite relevant now. So that's why it made the record. Mm. That's interesting. Walking down Republican Lane. Like, why would you revisit a terrible time? Except for we did as a nation. So... Yeah. And I'm a little surprised having had that experience of a song seeming of its time and not super relevant in the future that she would choose to sort of anchor a greatest hits collection with that very song. 
like knowing that it would probably not seem as meaningful in the ensuing years. But there it is. Well, do you think she's thinking that as she's writing it? That this song is very much of its time. That it won't be relevant in the ensuing years? No, probably not. And I'm sure any songwriter probably is just trying to write about what they're processing in the moment. But I do question that with a song like Yo George, you know, like she knows that George is not going to be president forever. Yes. Like she must be then just trying to create a snapshot of the time, right? Yes. With Sweet Dreams, you know, there are no names being referenced. So it doesn't age quite as rapidly as something like a Yo George does. But what if she'd called it Yo Perez? No, because with her pronunciation, people might think she was singing about Perez Hilton. Perez Hilton. Yeah, that was my first thought, too. (laughs) It's interesting, though, that she takes into account when someone makes a request that it, you know, might not be the right thing for the time. Like, for example, in... Oh, one, no matter how many requests she got for pretty good years, she only did it like in 2002, 2003, like a long time after. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be the same in Ocean to Ocean tour, maybe. That she won't play pretty good year? Yeah. That there's some songs that even though you request them, that she's like, nah, maybe not the right time. I agree. And that makes me sad. I don't want to walk down Republican Lane. Well, speaking of overthinking, should we get into the line by line? Yes. Lie, lie, lies everywhere, said the father to the son. I'm already confused. Why? So who is having this conversation? The father and the son. But has George Bush shown up yet? Or is this like an unnamed... W. Bush or H.W. Bush? The father Bush. The father Bush. The elder. Elderberry Bush, yes. I don't know. I wonder if George Bush the father is the son here because there was no George Bush the son at this point that was politically relevant, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So maybe this line, lie, lie, lies everywhere, said the father to the son, is the father passing down this idea to the elder Bush as the son in this role. But then that's why it easily translates into the younger Bush being handed it down from the elder Bush, which is like cyclical. I almost feel like the Bushes don't show up until the second verse. Okay. And I feel like this is kind of not an unrelated conversation, but like our entry into the song is a dialogue between a father and son who have different political beliefs. So just a father-son conversation. Yes. Like a random father-son. Yes. Your peppermint breath gonna choke him to death, daddy. Your peppermint breath gonna choke him to death, daddy. What do you think when you hear peppermint? Peppermint breath? Mm-hmm. Drunk. Really? Peppermint like schnapps. peppermint schnapps? Interesting. Yeah. What do you think? Or Candyman. I think of something that's kind of deceptively sweet, but also maybe, yeah, like when you pop a breath mint to cover something up. Mm-hmm. So like your rotted mouth, you have a peppermint. Well, I was just going to say maybe you ate something garlicky, but yes, you're rotten. Your rotted teeth. Your insides are decaying and you're trying to cover it up with a peppermint. In this context, too, your peppermint breath going to choke him to death, daddy, like your breath is too sweet. Mm-hmm. Almost like your noxious words that you're attempting to cover in sweetness or paint in sweetness mm-hmm. are insidious and have the power to choke someone to death. This song is bleak. Watch your little black sheep run. Watch your little black sheep run. It doesn't feel to me like the son is aligned with the father because watch your little black sheep run. A black sheep is someone in a family who doesn't really fit in, who is not what the parents expected or wanted. So watch your little black sheep run. Obviously, okay, lies everywhere. So the father to the son, it feels like there's a third person omniscient observer, right? Let's start there. 
Feels like someone's looking in from the outside, looking in through the window. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Okay. I do, yeah. Your peppermint breath going to choke him to death, daddy. So someone is seeing that the father is oppressing somehow the son because the son, watch your little black sheep run. It feels like the son is running. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you're right because lie, lie, lies everywhere is in quotes as if it's spoken. Yeah. And your peppermint breath going to choke him to death, daddy, is not being said in response by the son because that's not in quotes. That's, again, the observer. Exactly. The quotes tell you something here. And to be clear, it's lie, lie, lies everywhere. Like E-V apostrophe R-Y. Everywhere, Mm. said the father to the son. Your peppermint breath gonna choke him to death, daddy. Um, E-M choke gum to death so maybe not even choke him your peppermint breath's gonna choke out your own lies you're gonna choke your own lies daddy watch your little black sheep run daddy watch your little black sheep run so someone can see the kid the black sheep running and maybe he's running from the lies the peppermint lies the candy lies towards the truth but wherever he's running from or to someone sees it So I do think that Tori's the observer. I agree. And I could almost see the son in this song being friends with the kid from Space Dog. Oh, fun. When she talks about flying over and getting a transmission from a kid Mm -hmm. who's, you know, eating peas at his table or whatever, or lemon pie, not peas. Being like, I am not from these people. Get me out of here. I think that's kind of a similar thing happening. Yeah, I feel that too. He got knives in his back every time he opens up. The kid is betrayed. I'm assuming he is the kid, is the son, and that every time he tries to be himself or is maybe something that the father doesn't like because he's the black sheep, that he's got knives in his back. Yeah. That he's stabbed in the back or that there's like a complicated relationship there with the father. Mm-hmm. Perfectly said. Thank you. Thank you. You say you gotta be strong if you wanna be a man. You say he gotta be strong if he wanna be a man. He gotta be strong if he wanna be a man. That's what you say. So the observer is saying, you say to the father, you say he gotta be strong if he wanna be a man. So there's a third other person, because who is he talking to? He gotta be strong if he wanna be a man. Like the mom's probably trying to defend the son. And the dad's saying he gotta be strong if he wanna be a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is like a family drama on ABC. It really is. I feel like this man has a highly sensitive son. A highly sensitive son, a highly gay son. That he doesn't know what to do with. And he's always trying to kind of like butch him up. Are you saying that you think the son might be homosexual? I don't know. I do. (laughs) So that's a yes from you? Yeah, I'm going to go with team homosexual, as I always do. Is that why his dreams are sweet? Because Tori associates sweetness with gayness. He's like, sugar, when they find you're just a pussy. Well, Flying Dutchman, too. This has a similar vibe to Flying Dutchman in terms of, like, the kid, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, maybe this kid is the same kid as Flying Dutchman. That's possible. Thank you for accepting my theory. (laughs) Stamp. It's interesting. A couple things to note, since we are on the lyric section. A couple things to note about this song. In the winter booklet, she does have a typo. She says, you are peppermint breath. You apostrophe R-E. You are peppermint breath. <laughs> are these cute. Are these the handwritten lyrics? The handwritten lyrics, oh, yes. Oh, man. She's like, peppermint breath, you are. You are peppermint breath. Ugh. And then she also says in the handwritten lyrics, he's got knives in his back every time he opens up. 
But in the lyric book, she's written, he got a knives in his back. He got a knives. She's like rewriting how she sings it. He got a knives. Yes. Yeah. So it's just worth noting. She's almost doing like a phonetic translation of her own words. She's like, what? Mm -hmm. What did I say? He got a knives, knives, knives. Yeah, exactly. Mr. I don't know how you can Mr. I don't know how you can have sweet dreams. Obviously, the observer does not approve of how the mister is treating the child. It appears so bad to the observer that the observer can't even fathom how the father can sleep at night. What do you think the sweet dreams are? Peace, happiness, love? All of the above. Or just in this case, in this first verse anyway, I feel like she's almost saying like, I don't know how you can live with yourself or I don't know how you can sleep at night. Well said. How can you stand yourself? Land, land of liberty, we're run by a constipated man. Land, land of liberty, we're run by a constipated man. Obviously, now we're talking about the bush. Mm-hmm. America, trim your bush. <gasps> What do we think is happening with the constipated man? Like, is she indicting George Bush specifically? Do you think here? Yeah, she must be. You know, if she's saying we're run by, if the land of liberty is run by a constipated man, I have to imagine that she's referring to the president in this case. Yeah. Also, I've never really sat for a moment to consider that we have a Tory song that includes the word constipated. You haven't? No. I guess I've kind of always just taken it for granted, but I love that we have like a very clinical term (laughs) constipated in this song. (laughs) We're run by a man with irritable bowel syndrome. We're run by a man with IBS. She would sometimes live change it to, we're running from a constipated man. Running from a constipated man? Yeah. Oh, wow. I love it. When you live in the past, you refuse to see. When your daughter come home, nine months pregnant. When you live in the past, you refuse to see when your daughter comes home nine months pregnant. It's really hard to ignore a full-term pregnancy. Yeah, but you refuse to see it, and that's the thing. Mm. When you're not living in the present, when you live in the past, you can't see what's happening right in front of you. Or you refuse to see what's happening right in front of you. You choose not to see it. That's true. It's like being on a sitcom. It's like, just put her behind the couch. Does George Bush even have a daughter? Probably. I don't know the answer to that. And we could look it up very easily, but I don't care. No. Why am I going to walk through Republican land? That's silly. I wouldn't give him the satisfaction. Yeah, to have one more click on his Wikipedia page. I'm imagining us walking down like a deserted street. (laughs) It's Republican lane. Republican lane with like our jackets pulled tight around our shoulders, like looking up around apprehensively, like waiting for an attack. That's what happens when you go down Republican lane. Yeah, and like the sewers are steaming and it's like dark and for some reason reason we have like these really loud high heels on click 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 and it's just drawing attention to ourselves as we walk down trying to get to our hotel room fast we need to make this a sketch (laughs) terrible (laughs) i love the click click heel that detail that you added that's perfection thank you i know i said i didn't care about the george bush daughter situation but i i'm a completist and so i looked it up and george bush actually had two daughters one who died tragically at the age of three but one dorothy walker bush who was married twice had four kids but funny when i googled dorothy walker bush nine months pregnant because you know i wanted to find out the t yeah obvs the only thing that came up was george h w bush's mother also named dorothy who and let me read this to you 
Dorothy was famous among the family for playing softball while nine months pregnant, hitting a home run, trotting around the bases, and then calmly announcing she was in labor. Have you ever heard of anything so Republican? Uh. Living in the past when your mother ran a home run while she was nine months pregnant with your ass, refusing to see the present, the modern woman refusing to see the modern woman. When you live in the past, you refuse to see when your daughter comes Nine months pregnant. Can we talk about the pregnancy thing? Please discuss the pregnancy. What do you think about living in the past you refuse to see? To me, that sort of speaks to kind of the conservative party that was and still is intent on recapturing this version of America that never actually existed in the first place. Oh, yeah. And we're always wanting to kind of go back to like, let's say the 1950s, like an idealized 1950s that was all about like the nuclear family and very specific gender roles as if that's better or people were happier. So I think that this line sort of encapsulates that you're always looking backwards and like refusing to acknowledge the reality around you, including like ignoring things about your own children that you don't like if they don't embody that idealism. And specifically women and specifically the changing mindset of women. Like if you're living in the past, you refuse to see that your daughter here now in the present is nine months pregnant. Yeah. It's specifically a woman. Because of those nuclear family roles or those 1950s Christian Dior new woman, you know, mm. this idealized fantasy of the woman. Mm-hmm. And that even extends to, you know, make America great again, quote unquote, which totally. gag me. I can't believe I said that. But yeah, like the idea that we can get back to a country when it was great before, but that wasn't great. It wasn't yes. great. First, it didn't exist. And it, secondly, it wasn't great. Well, it certainly wasn't great for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Sure it was for some people, but. It was white. White. White heterosexual men with five billion points of light you're gonna shine them on the face of your friends with five billion points of light you're gonna shine them on the face of your friends so the phrase a thousand points of light had been initially published by arthur c Clarke in his short story collection titled rescue party in 1946 it was also used in other works by william s burroughs as well as c.s lewis's book the magician's nephew however this phrase was popularized by u.s president george h w bush he used the term in his speech accepting the presidential nomination in 1988 and repeated it once again during his inaugural address in 89 Roll it, Oliver. And add a little bass so he sounds like a demon. (laughs) I've spoken of a thousand points of light, of all the community organizations that are spread like stars throughout the nation doing good. We will work hand in hand, encouraging, sometimes leading, sometimes being led, rewarding. We will work on this in the White House, in the cabinet agencies. I will go to the people and the programs that are the brighter points of light, and I'll ask every member of my With 5 billion points of light, we're going to shine them on the face of your friends. What does that mean? And it's important to note that in the lyrics book and in the handwritten lyrics, she writes, with 5 billion points of light, gonna shine them on the face of your friends. Not you're going to. I think that the narrator is going to shine them on the face of his friends. Like, okay, you've handed me these 5 billion points of light. Let's take a look at you. Let's expose you. 
And so she's taking the light and shining it back. Gonna shine them on the face of your friends, which are your political allies and your snakes. Ooh, I love that. So is that a way of saying, like, let's look at the hypocrisy here? Let's look at the ways that you're failing to embody all of these values that you supposedly represent? I think so, because the next line... They got the earth on a sling. They got the world on her knees. They even got your zipper between their teeth. Boom. Yeah, she's like indicting the person who said the five billion points of light. She's saying like, your friends got the earth in a sling. Your friends got the world on her knees. They've even got your zipper between their teeth. So you're like just a puppet. Mm-hmm. But also that you're probably like wrapped up in some sort of sexual scandal. Oh, good point. I didn't even think of that. I've still always pictured conservative politicians are always caught with like rent boys doing meth in motels or trying to solicit sex in like public restrooms. That's what I always picture here. Was that happening though in 89? Oh, of course it was. We might not have known about it to quite the degree that we do now, but certainly it was happening. But was it part of the public discourse in 89? Tori was there. She was there with boots on the ground in the corner of the public restroom with her journal and she was like, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm just described. I'm taking this down. She was there in the CD Washington bars, you're right. Yeah. And she would see the politicians come in probably with their rent boys, no mm-hmm. joke. Mm-hmm. Imagine her explaining this to the sub dudes. No, 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 no. The bongos represent the rent boys. <laughs> I really want the bongos to sound like a zipper. Zip. I always read that they even got your zipper between their teeth, as in like, you got to stay on the straight and narrow, otherwise they're going to bite your dick off or they're going to like, you know crush your balls e like they got you by the short hairs that's how i always took that they've even got your zipper between their teeth you're gonna walk straight and narrow and you're gonna follow what they want you to do because they could easily destroy your life (laughs) i know you can't see me right now so i have to share with you that i just realized i was intently listening to what you said and how you interpret this line and realized that i was looking up in the air like is that what she's saying and my hand extensively went up into like a cupping gesture (laughs) (laughs) interesting (laughs) Hmm. gorgeous (laughs) Sweet dreams. You say, you say, you say that you have them, and I say that you're a liar. This was a Mr. Lyric for me for a long time. I heard you say, you say, you say that you're in heaven. Really? Yeah. You say, you say, you say that you have them. You say, you say, you say that you're in heaven. Oh, that makes sense. It's not too far-fetched. You say that you have them. What are the, what are, what are they? Sweet dreams? Yeah. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Yeah, I have them. Do you have sweet dreams, David? Seldom if ever. Seldom if ever? I've been having a lot of anxiety dreams, yeah. Oh. You have sweet dreams? Like, literally never once in my life. Yeah, yeah. I have sleep paralysis and I'm tortured at night. No, no. that makes me sad. Let's work on that. When I hear sweet dreams, I imagine someone in like an old-timey dressing gown with a cap with like the blanket pulled up going like, me, 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 me. Those are sweet dreams. Oh, cute. Little like candy canes floating above their head. Yeah. Like the guy who makes the donuts? I don't think he has sweet dreams. He's always in anxiety because he's like, oh, God, it's 4 a.m. Time to make the donuts. No, but he's still got that sleeping bonnet and the gown. Oh, yeah. And the commercials. Right, right. go on go on and dream your house is on fire obviously a play on liar liar pants on fire oh shit 
right? Yeah, I think so. I just don't think it would be as impactful to say, go on, go on, go on and dream. Your pants are on fire. I mean, like your house is on fire. Your building is burning. Your country is burning. And I have to say that when I was younger, it's a very different experience to just sit with the lyrics as we do, kind of stripped out of the song and just look at them on the page. And like the line breaks sort of lead to a different interpretation than I might have when she's just singing them. Because when I was younger, in particular, I never really questioned the way these lines run together. It was like dream about your house being on fire. But it's like, no, stay asleep even while the world is burning down around you. Just like keep telling yourself that everything's fine and nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. Stay stuck in the past. Yeah. While you're sleeping or while you're pretending that you have sweet dreams. Yeah. Everything's falling apart around you. Yeah. In the lyrics book, she writes, go on, go on, go on and dream. But in the handwritten lyrics, she just writes, go on and dream because her hand was probably tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, they know what I mean. Ditto. Come along now is added to the lyrics book, but it's not in the handwritten. Come along now. Did you imagine live Tori just doing that waving gesture with her arm? I do. Always. Mm -hmm. Come along now. There's a few gestures that I always imagine when I am an M-I-L-F. I was recently playing Big Wheel for someone, and I said, that's turned into like a clapback where she says, I am an M-I-L-F, and then we say, don't you forget. And I was just remembering her like with her exaggerated hand over her ear, like expecting us to remind her that she's an M-I-L-F. Just tell me what I want to hear, Eve. Tell me I'm a MILF. Uh, we all want to hear what we want to hear. Well, well, someone been catching up with me. Well, well, summer wind been catching up with me. This is obviously the narrator's verse, right? Because it's in third person prior and now with me. She's adding herself to the song. Do you think? Yeah, I do. So what's going on here? Is she saying she hasn't been vigilant enough? Like I kind of, you know, obviously equate summer with like restfulness and relaxation. Maybe she's saying she was sort of like seduced into an action. And now that's like coming back to haunt her. And she feels sort of called to something i don't know what do you think yeah that's great i love that because summer wind doesn't sound restful it's been catching up with me i feel almost like a panic or like yeah a fear of laziness it's like when you put something off and then your procrastination catches up with you the night before your homework's due and you're like ah oh, crap <laughs> yeah for example i don't know huh. elephant mind missing you Okay, so Elephant Mind, Missy, You Don't Have. I think of two things when I hear this line. I think the first, how the elephant is a symbol of the Republican Party. Yeah. So she could be keeping along with the political themes from the earlier verse by saying, I'm not a Republican, basically. I don't have an elephant mind. I think that's interesting. But then also, elephants have like amazing brains, right? Like, they're very intelligent. Yes, and it said they remember everything. I don't know how that's ever been put to the test, but... So she's saying, you don't remember anything. She like, she herself doesn't remember. Elephant mind, Missy, you don't have, which I can see Tori describing herself like that. Yes. <laughs> she always forgets her shit. So elephant mind, Missy, you don't have. I feel like that's to herself. Mm. And it's proven in this line, you're forgetting to fly, darling, when you sleep. You're forgetting to fly, darling, when you like you're forgetting to have sweet dreams or you're forgetting to have peace. You're like not getting any peace while you sleep. You're forgetting to fly. Yeah. And we've actually explored quotes where Tori talks about having disturbed sleep and being prone to nightmares. So that could be here. She's stealing my rap. Yeah. Back off, Amos. She's stealing my bag. I got a hazy, I got a hazy, lazy Susan taking turns all over my dreams. Serves to note in the lyrics book, it is a hazy, lazy Susan, 
but in the handwritten it is just hazy lazy susan i got hazy lazy susan which i prefer because a lazy susan is a thing that you put in your it's like a spinning thing that you can like you put it in your cabinet and you like spin it and you can see all your spices in a circle you know instead of having to like reach deep into your cabinet and like knock everything over or you put it in like it turns all your pots and pans you know or like yeah it's also good for serving in the middle of a table so you don't have to pass oh, yeah. dishes around you just spin it yeah a lazy susan so when she says i got a hazy lazy susan it just changes it slightly for me same as opposed to hazy lazy susan is a person right that we've described susan which do you think it is i think it's the first i got hazy lazy susan because these lyrics in the lyric book seem to be like her just transcribing what she's saying and she just you know she adds syllables and stuff i think i prefer it's hazy lazy susan because then it's a person that is taking turns all over her dreams which to me means this Susan is a personification of the idea that she's being lazy, that she's not even flying when she sleeps. You know, the summer wind has been catching up with her. She's not working hard enough towards her own dreams. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And then maybe this is like a reflection of like her saying that she has sweet dreams, but she doesn't. Like she's saying, oh, I have sweet dreams, but I don't. You're so right. I love that. I'm very food motivated. So I've always pictured an actual lazy Susan, like a Wheel of Fortune where I'm like, ooh, I landed on mashed potatoes. But you're so right. Mm, just several dips. Yeah, <laughs> I love a condiment. But I do like, first of all, I like the idea that there's even maybe potentially a little bit of her own story in here because I'd never considered that. But like as she's between Why Can't Tori Read and Little Earthquakes, that she's telling herself she's not working hard enough for that like she might be letting the sweet dream slip by her yeah as we all know tori was 28 when little earthquakes came out right so like uh already a little as far as music industry standards go already a little late in the game right yeah so she must be feeling that pressure I don't know if it's about work ethics so much, but I love the way you said that, how she's kind of tying her own narrative to the other storyline in this song. Meaning, if we want to bring in YKTR, she hasn't been honest with herself. Uh The same way she's kind of calling other people out on like living in a fantasy or an idealized version of the world while their house is burning down around them. I think she's maybe saying like, no, 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 this is like fine. This is the kind of music I want to be writing as she's reaching for success. Yeah, or if like you're gonna call people out, then call yourself out too, kind of. Yeah. I got lizards and snakes run through my body. I got lizards and snakes running through my body. Funny how they all have my face. That to me is obviously then that ties in this third verse to be about herself. Like the people that are betraying you, the snakes, I think the people that are diverting you from your path are you. They all have my face. I'm the one doing it. Yeah. And I love that you use the word betrayal. I think first and foremost, she's sort of, this is an indictment of like her own inauthenticity for a period of time, meaning like she betrayed herself or like the muses or whatever she would say at the time. Yeah. If we're in that time period where she's writing so honestly about betraying herself, if she said 1989, 1990, I mean, like, she's obviously talking about why can't we read, right? Mm -hmm. What is your favorite lyrical moment, David? I think I'm actually going to go with got lizards and snakes running through my body. Funny how they all have my face. Tell me why. I like this idea of being very honest with oneself about where you've been inauthentic, maybe, or not really like willing to look at the hard stuff. And where you've maybe even like betrayed yourself or sold yourself out for someone or something, whether that be your career or a relationship or whatever it is, just sort of like paving over your own feelings and like selling yourself out. I think that's really powerful. How about you? I'm going to go with, I got hazy, lazy Susan taking turns all over my dreams. Mm. 
because I feel like that speaks to how you can stand in your own way sometimes and that if you are hazy lazy Susan yourself like your alter ego is just uh preventing you from accomplishing anything because they're taking turns all over your dreams Mm -hmm. I've definitely felt that way so I'm gonna go with that but I do like yours as well I I like them all I like all the lyrics well it happened I definitely have a newfound appreciation for this song after doing this line by line mostly because of what you offered so thank you for that oh stop stop trying to butter me up I'm dairy free (laughs) What's your favorite vocal moment? I think that whole kind of last verse, I like how playful she is with like, well, well, summer wind. And I do love hazy, lazy, Susan. (laughs) That's my, I'm going to go with Susan very specifically. That staccato punch of Susan is my favorite vocal moment. I'm going to go with nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant. Yeah. For the same reason, like she's just like stuffing it all in there. The song is fun to sing, isn't it? There's been times where live, she's added more. Like, I, for some reason, have this memory of her saying, when your daughter come home at you nine months pregnant, when your daughter come home at you nine months pregnant, and it's just like so many syllables. And, and I love it. I love it. I love a good rap. I love a good rap artist. Like, come at you, like, baby bump a blazing. Like, don't point that thing at me. Is that yeah, <laughs> what she's, she's saying? Coming home at you, uh. nine months pregnant. Um, Let's actually talk a little bit, too, if you have it in you to talk about the early demo lyric. Yeah. Charm, 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 hanging on to the politician. I just imagine, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah, but hanging on just feels like, uh, it doesn't feel native or instinctual. It just feels like it's like hanging on you. So it feels kind of dirty. It almost feels like like the stink of inauthenticity yeah like kind of a smarmy manufactured charm the stink of charm yeah smarm it's not charm it's smarm smarm the chain is pretty thick baby so is the rap about the dream you got for the american (laughs) dang so is the rap The chain is pretty thick, I think, means the links and the ties to the political party. It's pretty thick, but so is the talk that you're doing about the dream you have for the American. Like, you're laying it on really thick. Like, the chain is thick, but you're laying it on just as thick. Mm -hmm. Lie, lie, lies you tell for the big businessman. Yeah, like political favors yes all here your supporters or like the kind of campaign promises that you're making exactly super PACs congress (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying words i like it i like it keep doing it (laughs) veto (laughs) the economy the economy in this economy you're gonna tell (laughs) lies to the big businessman in this economy I wish Tori would start using that as a response to a request to something she doesn't want to play. Right. (laughs) You're like, Tori, can you play in the springtime of his voodoo in this economy? (laughs) You want me to waste valuable space on in the springtime in this economy? (laughs) But she's not telling lies to the big businessman, or he's not telling lies to the big businessman. He's telling lies for the big businessman, and that's a distinction. For the benefit of, or to the benefit of? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They got the the world on the knees. They even got the 
They got the earth in a sling. They got the world on her knees. They even got your zipper between their teeth. So I like how she says it all sexy sometimes. They even got your zipper between their teeth. How can that not be said sexily? Can you sing that line to me as if you have a zipper between your teeth? I got a little mouth trumpet. It's a mouthful of zipper. <laughs> Imagining a huge zipper. When I hear they got the earth in a sling, I think of another lyric like, can you blame nature if she's had enough of us? Oh, good point. This is like kind of like destruction of the planet or the environment, right? Fill their mouths with some acid rain. Oh, Mary. Yeah, the earth in a sling, obviously the earth is damaged. Mm-hmm. They got the earth kind of laid up in a hospital bed. Something about sling seems so vulnerable and sad to me. Like the earth has one of those cones around her neck like a dog. It's like, stop touching. Stop. 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 Let it heal. Yeah, one of those like sad scarf slings. It's not even a cast. Yes. Like a homemade tourniquet. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> Big old bandage on their forehead. It's very sitcom. Like, no, I can't go to school today. I'm sick. Like holding the thermometer up to the lamp. Oh my God, your temperature is 300. <laughs> Should we listen to Yanta? Yeah. I'm sorry. Every time I hear this opening riff, I'm back in the middle of a show. I feel the crowd cheering. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Oh my God, she's going to give us bye. Your government I do want to find those callbacks, though, in Tori's work. You know how, like, right before Britney says, it's Britney, bitch, there's a YouTube video where someone's like, who is it? Right before she's about to say it's Britney, bitch, and then she, like, bursts out laughing because she was not expecting it. Uh. <laughs> I want I want to find those moments for Tori's music so I could just do a call, a shout-out right before she says something. This house is on what? Fire, like, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's not the right song, but you know what I'm saying. I like it. Mr. I don't know how you can have, what can't you have, sweet? <laughs> Or like, you say, you say, you say that you have them. I do! (laughs) You're a liar! (laughs) (laughs) Just to help her out, you know? Give her some motivation. There's not enough back and forth at Tory shows. That's what all fans would say. (laughs) More talking. There's a lot of variation in it, even though it sounds constant. There's a little bit of variation in it. This song's got like a little boogie to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then sometimes live when she's like, you know, where she like just goes on it. 
very Philip class. Kind of jazzy, would you say? No, maybe not. Funky. I feel like in the sheet music, you know, kind of like the style at the top would be like funk boogie. Funk boogie. <laughs> With lightness. Sweetly. Dreamily. Mm-hmm. Sweetly. Dreamily. This part actually does sound kind of sweet to me. <laughs> yeah. And then she just ends. Boom. Bump, bump. Truth bombs. What was your favorite musical moment? I do love that kind of bridge that she goes back to at the end. I just love Tori's playing so much. I'll take it any way I can get it. All right. I like the motif, just like the main riff. Bum, 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 bum. I love that. I love the bridge too, but like that to me is my favorite part of the song. Yeah. I just like, ah, I guess it, it is a real crowd pleaser. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that would be relatively easy to play too. And you could be like, oh my God, I can do Tori live. Like boom, 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 boom. Who's your diddy? Who's your diddy? I mean, it is easy to play live, but first I'd have to buy a piano. And that's difficult <laughs> to get up into my apartment. First things first. You can support Yanta by heading over to patreon.com slash Yanta, where he's covered tons of Tori Amos songs, almost all. So you can find those there, patreon.com slash Yanta. Please support him. And then also, if you like all kinds of sheet music, other live versions, things like that, head over to figuretoryout.com. Our friend Paul Roy's website that he's compiled 20 years of sheet music from the yahoo group figure tori out and it's all on that website so become a member to that and you have access to all the transcriptions and it's free to be a member so why not Mm. unless you're like groucho Marx, who would say i don't want to be part of any club that would have me as a member Mm. like you sign up to be a member and then paul roy accepts it and then you'd quit then you like you delete your account like i don't want it anymore no club that would have me as a member you love the chase who doesn't love a good chase Mm -hmm. hunt you also love seven sisters and your ghost. <laughs> I am speaking of a new engagement in the lives of others. A new activism, hands-on and involved, that gets the job done. We must bring in the generations, harnessing the unused talent of the elderly and the unfocused energy of the young. For not only leadership has passed from generation to generation, but so is stewardship. And the generation born after the Second World War has come of age. I have spoken of a thousand points of light, of all the community organizations that are spread like stars throughout the nation doing good. We will work hand in hand, encouraging, sometimes leading, sometimes being led, rewarding. We will work on this in the White House, in the cabinet agencies. I will go to the people and the programs that are the brighter points of light. And I will ask every member of my government to become involved. The old ideas are new again because they are not old. They are timeless. Duty, sacrifice, commitment, and a patriotism that finds its expression in taking part and pitching it. Thank you.
We're back, and I have on the line not a Sweet Dream super fan, but a Tom Bigby super fan. It's Chrissy Matthews, and she's here to tell us why these two songs are connected. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, Eve. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. First, I want to hear your Tory story. I don't know anything about your Tory story. Tell me everything. Sure. So when I was about 12 years old, Under the Pink was getting played on the radio a lot in Chicago. And my best friends, Jenny and Christina, and I used to walk up to the corner and go to Venture to get our records, which was like a cheap target. And I bought Under the Pink and of course became obsessed with it. And then soon went back and got Little Earthquakes. And so of course, like this is a Little Earthquakes B-side. Then you've been ever since you've been a diehard. Yeah. You know, I think there were parts of my life when I wasn't as like intently following Tori's career, but we saw her on Do Drop In when she played at the Rosemont Theater in Chicago. We were in the very last row. I'm sure you can hear us screaming. Um, (laughs) And I lived in St. Louis for a bit and I saw her in New Orleans. And then it's just always been this thing with Jenny and Christine and I, that when she comes back to Chicago, I get them to come back and we see her together. And then so fun. Yeah. So it's like an important part of our friendship. And I definitely think during the pandemic, I like went back in deep to my Tory fandom. That's the perfect time. You know, it really was. It was like, oh, I need to listen to all of Tory and like all of the Tory I haven't really listened to before. It was good for nothing else, I think, the pandemic. But I think everybody got really deeply back into their Tory thing. I think that's what it was good for. We had a lot of time. We had a lot of time. And so Tom Bigby is one of the B-sides that I kind of like rediscovered during that time. And like the Welcome to Sunny Florida video that is all online. And the Tom Bigby from that video is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Before we get into Tom Bigby, I want to know what year you went to New Orleans. It was like 2001 or 2002 when she played on Halloween. Okay. That was 2001, right? The night before Halloween? I think so. Yeah. Because she wore the like the mask. Mm-hmm. Were you there? No, I picked up the tour the very next night in Houston. Oh my gosh. I know. Oh my God. But we were in Chicago together last year and then in probably in 2017, right? So last year, I saw her in Chicago in 2014, 2017. I definitely saw her in the early aughts, but I missed the, I no, was not hip. at the show with the Vic. Pip at the Vic. You missed Pip. I was in grad school. I was doing something dumb that night. Oh, awful. Awful. I know. But last year I got to see her at Red Rocks and that was supernatural. I was there too. I know. All we've all <laughs> we've almost accidentally met millions of times. Well, and she actually played. So Jenny and I met up. Jenny couldn't go to Red Rocks, but she drove to St. Louis and met up with me. I planned our entire like family vacation with my husband and two children to go to St. Louis with Jenny. And so that was a really intense show. She played like Blood Roses and a lot of Pele. There was something going on that night. But she played Tom Bigby that night. And then a couple nights later, I saw her in Red Rocks. Okay, now talk to us about Tom Bigby and your connection with that song and how you feel it relates to Sweet Dreams. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you that until you asked me this question, it was kind of superficial. It was like, those songs go together. They're like twins or sisters. Like there's something about the refrain in Tom Bigby that sounds a lot like Sweet Dreams. And I do play the piano. Like I was taught by a very strict German woman, but she let me play some Tori. I don't know exactly how the music is the same, but I... I think that those choruses, like somebody should do a remix for me. Okay. Someone out there do a remix. I'm looking at you, (laughs) Josh Speedbliss. Do you find any thematic links? Like what specific moments? So I think that musically, there is something about Sweet Dreams and Tom Bigby, Tom Bigby. 
But then as I've been thinking about this more today, I really think that these are two of her more political songs and not just like critical of religion, but kind of like an East and West political song. So Sweet Dreams to me really is taking place like in those bar rooms that she was playing on the East Coast. And it was all of these politicians and dirty old men. And then she was a teenage girl and seeing how power was happening and seeing how they were looking at her. That really resonated with me as a teenage girl listening to the song. And I also think thematically, like Sweet Dreams has a military kind of drum to it. It's upbeat and it's like kind of an uplifting song, but of course it's about terrible things, right? It's about yeah. our house is on fire, right? Like our yeah. country is on fire, which resonates with me very strongly today too. For sure. She needs to bring it back. You know? Sadly, still very relevant. Yeah. Does she play it live a lot anymore, Eve? I feel like she, she hasn't. Does no, we'll get into it here in the live section, but she hasn't, spoiler alert, she hasn't done it for a long time. But I think that Tom Bigby can hold a similar place in the set for her, but it's funkier. Tom Bigby, for me, when you listen to her play it with Matt and John, or even when she played it in St. Louis over the summer, John just loves it. Like the bass line is so funky as opposed to like the Sweet Dreams, which has this little like these weird hand symbol sounds and like the <laughs> military drums. What's weird about a hand symbol? Ching! <laughs> But Tom Bigby to me is also about a power dynamic between a girl and a probably kind of creepy guy. I think there are creepy guys in both of these songs. In Sweet Dreams, you're looking at politicians who, you know, your daughter comes home nine months pregnant and you refuse to see it. And in Tom Bigby, you've got a blackberry stain that's not even in season. If you're not yet a woman, you have no business playing at this. From a woman's perspective... Which we need, we need... <laughs> <laughs> I try. I do my best, but I can't give it fully. I mean, as being like age that Tori would have been playing in those piano bars, like she is changing. Her body is changing. She's changing as a person. And I'm sure that though it was still a gay bar, there were lots of people leering at her. Uh -huh. And that line in Tom Bigby about if you're not yet a woman, you've got no business playing at this. It's like, well, why are you even talking to her? you're probably the one creating whatever problem this is. Oh, wild. I'm not sure that I totally get all of Tom Bigby and what it's about, but the opening part of it is also about power. To you, it's another day. To me, it's a grim reaping. Just another shooting star strung out on your wire. That very much can be a power dynamic between creepy guy, younger woman. Totally. And then there's other parts of Tom Bigby that are about, you know, injustice done to Native American people in the West. This is another example of her political statements about what were done to Native American people. Do you, am I wrong to feel like Tom Bigby is like a more mature Sweet Dreams? Yes, I, I totally agree that that's what it is, that it's a different take on those power dynamics. And mm -hmm. it's coming, I think, from a different geographic place. It references Mississippi, it references Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so where Sweet Dreams has this New England thing going on, when you listen to that drum, it sounds like a little drummer boy military thing happening. Yeah. And then like the South Southwest, it's like funky and she's got the whirly going, but a lot of the same themes. Wait, so are you saying that Sweet Dreams dreamed so that Tom Bigby could lucid dream, I guess? Yes, absolutely. It's like much more funky, but also it does seem like the female perspective is a little bit more mature. Mm. Now, this is something we've never really done here on the show before, which is bring in 
someone to talk about like a sister song, like a connection like this. And I love it. So keep it coming, people. If you have an idea for a connection, please reach out and let us know. Kristen, where can people find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram and around and posting pictures of my children. But as long as you don't look creepy, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just find her. We'll link to her on our show notes page, songsatramus.com. Would you count Tom Bigby as your signature song? Um, no, I don't Ooh. think so. I think it would have been here in my head, which you guys just oh. did. And I love listening to you. Oh my God, we did do that. Yes, it's like one of my favorites. And she's played that live. I've seen her play live before. It just always gets me. So good, right? Now, what is your signature Scarlet's Walk song? I really love Pancake. I'm like a, oh. And I think Pancake is also another political song, right? Totally. It's one that eludes me, though. Like, I feel like I can't get my head around Pancake. The simple refrain, I ordered you a pancake. Like, what? That There's so <laughs> many interpretations of that. And I'm desperate. I, I want to just do like a montage of everybody say explaining what they think that line means. I think that's also about power. Like, you come back from the bathroom and it's like somebody ordered your food for you. Oh, shit. You're so right. <laughs> okay. Mystery unlocked. Done. She doesn't want that pancake. She's not hungry for it. If someone ordered me a pancake, I'd be pissed. I don't eat dairy. It would be a vegan pancake for you, Eve. It just doesn't fit the rhyme scheme. It doesn't fit the cadence of the line. <laughs> I ordered you a vegan no, pancake. But I think when I saw her play pancake... I just remember it having such a political feel to it. And then sometimes she'll go into Ohio. Oh, yeah. Which is obviously like a real political song. So she thinks so much about religion. And obviously there's references to religion and sweet dreams too, I think. Like the fact that you don't see that your daughter is pregnant. I, I feel that as a former Catholic teenager. Since Sweet Dreams is one of the earliest songs she wrote for Little Earthquakes, it was part of the original demo, it was rejected. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, we can point to the fact that as early as prior to Little Earthquakes, she was writing these political songs. And I would say you can track it through her whole career that it's as important as this sort of quote unquote confessional diary entry sort of songwriting style. Yes. It's not even really two different sides because I feel like one definitely has to inform the other. Like you, we are in a world. We live in a society here. Would you say that that's an like a very important part of her songwriting? I think politics is a huge part of her songwriting. And I think it's a huge part of who she is as a writer. Like when you listen to Resistance, so much of what she talks about is politics. You listen to it, the audiobook. Oh, yes, I did. I walked around my neighborhood <laughs> listening to Tori talk to me like we were on the phone. I know there was no way I wasn't going to listen to it. I listened to it twice. I think. And maybe it's just that I am more politically aware as a 42 year old than I was as a 12 year old. But like mm -hmm. everything is political. Talk about your daughter coming home nine months pregnant. Why is that? Is it because she couldn't access birth control? Oh, wow. You know, is it because you don't want to talk about sex ed with your, your kid? Like, oh, my God. There are political reasons why your daughter would come home nine months pregnant. You heard it here first, folks, and not in the line by line, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even think about any of that. If I have to tell you that I grew up in a pretty Catholic house and I was listening to Tori and my mom was like, what is this? And my grandma was like, what is this? And I was <laughs> like, never mind. But like as a young Catholic or Christian girl, like the most terrifying thing to you is becoming pregnant because like that would be the greatest shame upon your life and family. Oh no. 
Yeah. So she knows that. Right. And she knows that there's a connection to like men in power that make that happen. And you're so busy or you're so blinded by the five billion points of light that you're spewing (laughs) that you're so blinded by this idea that you can't even see that something's going on at home. Yeah. Wow. So what are the other? Okay. Mother Revolution, which I think is another political song. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, that's a good one. We got Mother Revolution. We got our pancake, Tom Bigby, Sweet Dreams. What about America? First of all, America. Mm-hmm. Amber Waves. She always puts America the Beautiful right in front of it now. Oh, she does? Yeah. Of course, Virginia. Russia. Oh, my God. Russia. <laughs> I mean, that those 2017 shows were just like, and she talks about that in Resistance, but like those 2017 shows, everything felt political. And the whole Native Invader album, too, is about climate change. You got Up the Creek isn't ocean to ocean kind of about climate change too and like we're destroying the earth oh yeah there are those who never give a goddamn (laughs) yes (laughs) yes okay well you've been very patient with me no this is great this is actually something that we didn't bring up and i think this is a really important side of tori's music to understand her completely as an artist you really have to dive into her political side as well and how active she is politically and i remember I think it was right after debate one or two in 2016 when her Twitter feed, do you remember this, where for like three minutes, it just said, fuck you, Trump, is all it said. (laughs) And we didn't know if she had posted it and someone took it down or if like Tosh had accidentally posted it on her mom's account or like someone had accidentally posted it. But for like three minutes, it just said, fuck you, Trump. And that's real. You can still find the like screen grabs, but... Uh, yeah. So she's always been, I mean, it's been super important to her, even in the 92 interviews during press. And she's talking about like, I need someone new to vote for. Like the kids today are going to be who makes it happen. So yeah. Oh God. Like strange little girls is very political. There's a oh, lot yeah. of like gun control situation in there. Happiness oh, yeah. is a warm gun. The bushes talking. And then I don't like Mondays. It's like such a difficult song to listen to now. And we could do this all day and we should. Yeah. I've got to make <laughs> the list we should um okay well we'll have you back on the tom bigby episode can we just start calling you our political correspondent (laughs) sure here to report on politics we've got chrissy matthews that's what we're going to start doing from here on out (laughs) yes i love it thank you for being on the show everybody follow chrissy we'll link to her instagram on our show notes page songstorymas.com bye oh my gosh thank you for having me Welcome to Dream Interpreter AI. Please wait while we fully interpret your dream. This dream appears to have a title and contain a lot of chaotic and fragmented imagery, which can make it difficult to interpret. However, 
The recurring theme of lies and deception suggests feelings of mistrust and dishonesty in your waking life. The father figure in the dream may represent authority or someone you look up to, but his words are filled with lies, leading to a sense of betrayal and suffocation. This could indicate a situation where you feel manipulated or controlled by someone close to you. The reference to being a black sheep suggests feelings of alienation or being different from those around you. The mention of knives in the back every time you open up and the need to be strong to be a man may symbolize the pain and effort required to navigate through difficult or challenging relationships. The line about the constipated man running the land of liberty could be a critique of authority figures or institutions that are restrictive and hinder progress, such as the Republican Party or having the country run by someone who is stuck on the toilet. The pregnancy imagery might represent unexpected changes or burdens that you feel responsible for or overwhelmed by. The mention of the earth in a sling and the world on its knees could suggest a sense of global crisis or feeling helpless in the face of larger issues. This betrays a deeply ecologically minded individual or someone with a great concern for the world around them. Overall, this dream may reflect a sense of disillusionment and frustration with the amount of deception and unhinged power dynamics in your life. In your waking life, you may need to dismantle the patriarchy, take the power back, a cab, a cab. Dismantle the patriarchy. Who's your daddy? The two-party system is broken. The two-party system is broken. Defund the police right now. A cab, a cab. No funding for genocide. No funding for genocide. Who's your daddy? That was the wildest dream interpretation ever, right, David? I've seen some or heard some pretty wild dream interpretations. Yeah, this is by far the wildest and the wettest. That was pretty wild. Was it? I don't know. I wanted to bring something up that we didn't mention earlier. Are you ready for this? Yes. In my copious research, you know how I do copious research? Mm-hmm. You know, just copious. I'm copying and copying. I read this. I found this from Pitchfork Magazine when she released the Little Earthquakes Deluxe Edition. Yes. And they're talking about a piano, right? So even though it was 2015, they're going back in time in 2006. Okay. So they're not content with the deluxe edition of Little Earthquakes. They also need to unpack a piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leading with a disc-long alternate version of Earthquakes, Amos's 2006 box set, A Piano the Collection, already argued that Upside Down and Flying Dutchman, both Segerson-produced string-wrapped efforts, equaled most everything that had made the cut. Here on the Deluxe Edition, those fan favorites better complement Amos's impulsive material, like Sweet Dreams, which rewrites David Bowie's Panic in Detroit as a Gaelic jig. What? I was shook. That's a lot happening. Yeah, okay. So, of course, I had to go listen. I'm not much of a David Bowie connoisseur. Truth be told, but I do like gay licking. Truth be told, but I'm not David Bowie. So I had to go back and listen. I found the song, and here, let's play a little of that song.
thoughts. I can hear it with the yeah, but you know, it's only fair. If Queens of the Stone Age are going to steal sugar, Tori can steal from David Bowie. Truly. Do you think that's what happened? Or do you think this is one of those things where it had just like permeated her subconscious to the extent that she didn't know what she was doing? She knew not what she did. <laughs> like how intentional do we think this was? I think it might have been intentional, but like not as a stealing, kind of like as a nod. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then I found this quote. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is from the Amy LeMay Show, September 14th, 2001. She says, yeah, my dad does believe strongly in the Second Amendment, but with controls that aren't in place. And then we, of course, have George Bush Sr. and George W. also giving their views. My dad threatened me that I'd better not edit him. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to edit you. This is, of course, from Strange Little Girls. I just thought that was interesting. The father-daughter dynamic after what we talked about in the line by line. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all. And she vowed not to edit Edison, it sounds like. Yeah. And then Amy LeMay said, does the political climate in the States have anything to do with you being based this side of the Atlantic? And she says, actually, it does give you sometimes a little breath to see things different. My husband's British, and sometimes when he can get away from Britain, it helps him just a little bit to see things sometimes from an objective stance. But Mm. the truth is, my husband is really grumpy and told me he wouldn't live in that place and he didn't care about the green card. And I said, I'm lucky I'm a better traveler than you. So that's what it's down to. Welcome to England, bitch. (laughs) I love that she's like, you know, I know that you asked but my husband's grumpy help she's yeah she's like her eyes get wide my husband's grumpy (laughs) mr grumpy anyway let's head over to the lounge you are entering the amos live lounge welcome back to the lounge david hello hi i don't know why i greeted myself i guess you too hello hello this lounge is like russia Wake up, David. Wake up. You're in the lounge. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was having the sweetest dream. Do you remember that vine where someone poured water on that girl's face while she was sleeping and she woke up and she's like, hello? (laughs) Have you you not learned by now that every time you ask me if I've seen a TikTok or a vine, the answer is no? Well, Oliver, roll that vine. Uh, Roll that beautiful vine footage. Hello? Do you imagine that in her dream, the water on her face is like a phone? <laughs> She's uh, yeah, answering I don't it. Know. It's like someone's knocking. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> I realize that that's not necessarily the best audio vine. It's mostly just visual. But go seek it out on our page, songsatrabus.com. I was sharing a room with Dora once, and she was sound asleep, and she sat bolt upright with no warning. And just said, what did I miss? And grabbed a nearby Dorito, jammed it in her mouth, fell back over and went instantly back asleep. (laughs) Oh, I love that story. (laughs) Me too. That's a sweet dream when you wake up and there's a Dorito there. Yeah, you missed the cool ranch. You got it now, though. We are here in the Sweet Dreams Lounge where I have pillows everywhere. (laughs) Just it's very inviting. Mm -hmm. It's like the inside of Jeannie's lamp. Yeah, pull up a comforter. We're going to talk some Sweet Dreams live statistics. Are you ready? Yeah. This song has been played a total of 59 times. 59 times. Through the course of Tori's career, and possibly more because this is an early song, so it could have been played on the Little Earthquakes tour, though we don't have any record of it being played on the Little Earthquakes tour, so we're going to say no. I wouldn't be surprised if she just never played it. You don't think ever? Nah. Not once? Nah, I don't know. I mean, maybe in Nashville. Maybe, because she loves the song. She has a love affair with the song in Nashville, as we'll find out. Mm-hmm. They meet up every few years for a tour to fair one night only in Nashville and then don't speak. 
But it's just because they're like politically, they lean the same way politically and they're like really turned on by each other's minds, but they just know that they wouldn't be able to like build a life together. Oh my God, it's so sad. I know. It's like this movie I saw once called like 28 Hotel Rooms where they meet 28 times in 28 different hotel rooms. Mm. It's a good movie. Anyway, the first time we have Tori playing the song is in Ottawa, Canada on November 3rd, 1994. And here it is. Roll it, Oliver. Sweet dreams. <laughs> I forget some of them. If I if I do it later and I mess up the words, just call them up. Okay. I've never played it live ever. So, but I'll do it for you. Yeah, do it for you just this once. Do it now. You know, this act is really where Oliver shines. Tori as well, but Oliver too. Mm-hmm. He puts his little paw on the button. Boop. Roll it. Boop. Rolling it. Oh, honey, do drop in at the do drop off. Here we are in 1996, David. I love it here. I'd stay forever if I could. Me too, kind of. Mm-hmm. We are at the Do Drop In Tour, where Tori performed Sweet Dreams 10 times, starting with an acapella version in London, England, on March 9th, 1996. Roll it. Sweet. 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 
everywhere said the father to the son. Your peppermint breath gonna choke him to death. Daddy, watch your little black sheep. I ain't got nine, nine, nine eyes in his bag. Every time he opens up, you got the earth on a sling. They got the world on her knees. You even got your zipper between their feet. And I messed up my verses, and I'm really sorry, but I'm gonna keep on singing this song and sweet, sweet. What was happening politically in 1996? I feel like nothing. The world was at peace. It was an election year. Bill Clinton was cheating on his wife. Kenneth Starr was trying to bring him down. Yeah, but Wasn't that's that all tabloid stuff. I mean, like, we had to look to outer space for an adversary. That's why they made Independence Day. They were like, there's basically a lot of global peace, so <laughs> maybe we gotta mess with the aliens. Well, firstly, that's not how I read that movie, personally, but... I feel like there was a lot of political upheaval, or at least it was in the public dialogue, and maybe that's why you're you're questioning why this song came out ten times. This yeah, time. I think that's why. I think it had to do with the impeachment proceedings, right? Wasn't that in 1998, nine? Who knows? Maybe she <gasps> she predicted it. If only there was a way we could find out. Well, yeah. guess we'll never know. Guess we'll never know. Here she is performing "Sweet Dreams" on May third, 1996, in Philadelphia. This is May 13th, 1996 in New York City with Tallulah on the harmonium introing Hey Jupiter. It's like one, two, three, four. Mm. And I apologize about the quality of this. This is pulled from an old VHS tape. So I'm playing it here because we have it, but it doesn't sound amazing.
Do we think there's any thematic link here, or she was just trying to knock out requests the way she does? Thematic link to Hey Jupiter or thematic link to Tallulah? Mostly Tallulah. Well, well, I think she was doing it just to shut that girl up. Maybe a sonic link? Because Tallulah's about dancing, and Sweet Dreams we've already established as funky. Mm-hmm. Tallulah and Sweet Dreams are doing a little boogie together. Boom, 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 a wah, wah. Yeah. But also she does do that little speak, sing, rapping thing in both. Yeah. Chasing tornadoes. I'm just dancing calmly. I love a calm dance. I'm chasing George Bush's. Oh, man. This is her performance on September 19th, 1996 in Bloomington, Indiana for my birthday. Wait, what? I thought your birthday was the 18th. It is, but she didn't do a show that night. Oh, okay. Performance of Sweet Dreams on this tour. This is October into the plug tour david i found this from the taping of jackie strength on david letterman on july 27 1998 rasp swirl girls had this to say tori was the first to show up and she was so sweet she came right over to my best friend who was with me and gave her a huge hug and then turned to me and gave me a hug and a kiss can you believe that 
Tori was the first to show up? Out of who? Who else were they waiting for? I guess the first guest that night to show up. Okay. Because they'd been at the stage door waiting all day. So oh, I see. They noticed that she was the first guest to show up. Anyway, we handed her a dream catcher that we had made and asked her if she could please, with five E's, please sing Sweet Dreams at one of the next two shows because we were going to both. Tori was so sweet and said she would try, but to think of a second song too, in case Sweet Dreams <laughs> didn't feel like coming. And maybe a third and a fourth song. How about <laughs> right. All these years. Precious things? You like precious things? Yeah. My best friend and I asked if we could get a picture with her, and she said, no problem. Yeah. Then she started signing autographs. She spent about 10 or 15 minutes outside, and it was purely emotional bliss. Mm. So that was in July. And then, of course, she wouldn't perform Sweet Dreams until August 25th in Nashville, but it was about a month later. She performed Jackie that early? July of 98? Is that true? Yeah. Don't you remember? Weren't you there? I didn't remember it being that early. I thought it was later in the tour. Closer to, yeah. You were there? I don't think I was. I don't think I went to that one, and I'm not sure why. Why? I was busy. Probably college. Yeah. The one day I decided to go and not go to a Tory event. Middle school classes weren't that important, so I got to go. Right, right. Right. Here we are in Plugged. And she performs it only one time, and you were there. You had the privilege of being in the audience. The privilege and the expense of being in the audience. (laughs) Yes, the privilege. She didn't fly me there. Are you kidding? (laughs) I flew myself. I exhausted myself. You won the Dotson contest. Yes, I won the Dotson sweepstakes. Congratulations, you're broken exhausted. What are you going to do? I'm going to Nashville. Ticket to Nashville. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I flew there and back within 24 hours. No sleeping, and I had to go right to school when I got back. <laughs> genius. Genius. To Nashville and back? To Nashville and back. You think she back. stole your idea? She absolutely did, because I did talk to her at the meet and greet, and she was like, girl, you know where you'd go. You'd go to Nashville if you could. And I was like, yeah, I did. Sign this. <laughs> Here it is. Nashville, Tennessee, August 25th, 1998. Boop.
Is it as everything as you remember it to be? I don't remember it at all, so yes. It's wow. more. <laughs> this song is everything and more. I was tired. Great. Do you think Tori agrees with you that this is kind of a country song? Because she plays it in Nashville a lot, so. Yeah, I do think she agrees with me. I think, <laughs> I imagine she agrees with everything I say. <laughs> I think so, like, too. That's good. I'll steal that. I'll write that down. That's good. This is country. Good. That's exactly what I meant with that line. Strange. So strange. So strange. 2001 Strange Little Tour. Now, more than any other tour, possibly with the slight, or at least tied with the On Scarlet's Walk Tour, this song became such a staple of this tour. Maybe only 13 performances of this tour means it's not necessarily like staple numbers wise, but it was such a showpiece of this tour. And it was the fact that the Twin Towers had fallen and the your house is on fire line like everything is crumbling around you while you keep yourself blind to all the things that are happening mm. that it was such a political statement suddenly so this is the first time she did it in this new iteration and this is west palm beach florida september 28th and it was just i remember getting this bootleg the very next morning the day after the show and just being completely mesmerized and shocked roll it <laughs> I'm disappointed that I never saw this song performed on this tour, I don't think. You didn't? No, which is shocking because I went to a fair few. A fair few. Well, obviously you didn't go to Nashville, Tennessee because she performed it there on 3rd of October. Roll it, Ollie. Running from a constipated man. Why didn't you go to Nashville? What did you hate about Nashville in 98? I'd been there. I like new experiences. Oh, okay. Which is why I listen to old Tory albums nonstop (laughs) (laughs) and talk about them. (laughs) Here she is performing her big political song for the men in Washington, D.C. on October 7th. Roll it, Oliver. Ugh, men. Ooh, men.
this is the first time I had the privilege of being in the same room with Tori Amos while she was performing this song. And it is the 3rd of November, 2001 in Dallas, Texas at the Bronco Bowl. One of my favorite shows of all time. One of my favorite early shows of all time. Here we go. I love the way you said that. Like you just happened to run into her like in Acapulcos and she launched into Sweet Dreams. She was performing. Yeah. (laughs) I had the privilege of being in the same room when she decided to bust this one out. And it was a very rare triple fi. You'll hear what I mean. I was so happy to hear the song because it was relatively, until this tour was relatively a rarity, even though 96 was 10 times, you know, I don't know. It's That's pretty rare on like 187 shows. Agreed. 18%, right? Something. You're good at math. Math. This is the final time she played it in 2001. This is December 11th in Munich. When you live in the past, you refuse to see. When your daughter come home, a nine months pregnant with five billion pounds of light. Got the shine on the face of your friends. She performed the song twice on Scarlet's Walk, once on 26th of April in Austin. Roll that.
She is risen in Austin and once in New Orleans on April 29, 2003. And I was there for both of those. And it was mind-blowing. Both times? Truly the response from the crowd, both times, I remember specifically Austin at the backyard. But also I remember every moment of the New Orleans show. And I tell you, the reason she performed it in New Orleans at the end of the second leg, which was the final show of the second leg, was because she'd gotten such an amazing response in Austin. It was like overwhelmingly positive. It was like very just, it moved your body. Like you just, she, every, people were wild. Maybe because it was Texas. Maybe because it hadn't been done in a long time. Also, Tosh came out that night. She'd like walked to the edge of the stage at the very beginning of the show. It was the first time we all had seen Tosh ever. Like she just, it was, yeah. Did she like get away from her nanny? What was happening? No, no, no. They were watching her, but she wanted to go see the crowd. And she like came out to the mid stage, like middle of the stage and like waved at everybody. And everybody like cheered and screamed. And well, there was a moment of like, (gasps) and we all just were like silent. I remember this was like five minutes before the show started. And I just remember everybody being like, wait, what are we supposed to do? And then people started like cheering and waving. And then she waved. And then she went back into the arms of her nanny. Oh my gosh. Into the arms of the nanny. In the arms of a nanny. But yeah, here's that performance. New Orleans, April 29th, response that prompted her to re-record it with a who's your daddy mm. she was feeling it you know she was like mm, i gotta whip this out in the big easy she loved it so much in 2002 2003 on scarlet's walk that she did it 10 times on the very next separate tour 2003's lot of pianos tour. it's a lot of pianos and a lot of sweet dreams you could go into a sugar coma too sweet too sweet you know when you sleep too much and you're so exhausted after? It's too many dreams. Mm. You're like, I'm going to ask for my dreams to be unsweetened, please. Yeah. Sweet and low <laughs> dreams. Equal dream. Splendid dreams. Splendid dreams. Yeah, that's it. This is Eugene, Oregon on July 27, 2003. And this is the first time she asks us the important question. Who's our daddy? Wanta, New York, on August 23rd, 2003. The day after her birthday. She had a birthday hangover.
On the original Sensuality Tour slash Summer of Sin Tour, she performed it two times total. And this is on the end of the Summer of Sin Tour, September 14th, 2005 in San Diego. That was a good show. Were you there? I was there. I loved that show. Yeah, it was good. That was the only show I've ever been to in my entire life, in my Tory life, where I almost missed the opening. I sat down as she started. It was awful. What were you doing? Did the server not bring your check at dinner? No, we were hunting for tickets and I had a ticket, as did everybody else, except for Jed. Jed did not have a ticket and I had told Jed that I would help him find a ticket, but we got to a certain point and he was like, he still didn't have a ticket. I was like, well, I gotta go in. He's like, but you told me you'd help me find one. And I was like, uh, yeah, but to a certain point. And everybody left, but I still stuck it out and we found Jed a ticket at the very last second and we went in. Oh my God, this is as stressful as it was then. 16 years later 17 years later <laughs> well 16 17 oh god mommy Mommy, why is that house on fire mommy why are those knives in my back imagine asking your mother you know why on american doll posse world tour tori has performed oh Tori must perform the song zero times. It was Isabel who performed the song 16 times. Every time. And don't get it twisted. It was Isabel. This was a staple in her set. It was Izzy's Sweet 16. Absolutely. It was in her set almost every time. I just feel like this song is a little too playful for Izzy. Really? Yeah. Really, though, is it playful? I think it's musically playful. Oh, musically playful. But that's how Izzy gets you in. Is it? She gets you to bounce, and then she's like, your house is on fire, fucker. God, and then she puts her cigarette out on her face. She puts her cigarette out on your face and then takes your picture. God, it's... <laughs> she captures your pain as you're screaming with tears streaming down your face, and she's like, click. Playful now, bitch. <laughs> uh, why don't you take a picture? It'll last long now. <laughs> Uh, our version of Isabel went through like 20 accents then. She's, yeah, she sure did. But each one of them was like an emotional terrorist. I, I know. <laughs> this is May 30th in Florence, Italy. Oh. 
also played the song in 2007, once again in Nashville, Tennessee on November 12th. And if you like this performance, you can head over to iTunes and purchase it because it's on our legs and boots. Sometimes this election has got to come tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Hey, well, 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 summer wind been catching on with me. Elephant mind, Missy, you don't have. You forget to fly, don't know when you sleep. I got a hazy, lazy Susan, taking too low my dreams. It must be weird to live in Nashville and know that Sweet Dreams is like your local anthem. And every time you go see Tori, you're going to get it. Like, all rise for the local anthem. Ba-ka-bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Which makes you put your hand on your heart, your pledge allegiance to the dreams. Everyone, put a zipper between your teeth. Go. She did not perform this at the one show in 2008 in Dranitor, but she did perform it four times on the Sinful Attraction Tour. And when you see somebody that is attractive to you, you're sinning. You're just sinning. And this is October 5th, 2009 in Frankfurt. This is the last time she performed this song with the band uh, to date. all 59 times, David, because she did not perform it in 2010 at all. She did not perform it in 2011 at all. 2012 at all. She did not perform it in 2013 Caprice. She did not perform it in 2014 at all. 2015 at all. She did not perform it in 2017 at all. She did not perform it on Ocean Toshin Part 1 in 2022 at all and did not perform it in 2023 at all. Mm. Ugh. It wouldn't have been completely inappropriate to play on Native Invader. Absolutely not. But now it's too playful because shit got worse. I think so too. <laughs> Like, he's not a Republican. He's a fascist. Like, that's not Republicanism, what he was pulling off. I think it would actually be jarring to have seen Tori play this with, like, the fire backdrop on the Native Invader tour. Oh, interesting. No, but she would have made it. She could have made this song really dark, though. She could have easily taken the jauntiness out of the staccato leitmotif, you know? Instead of da-da-da-da-da-da. It could have been like, na 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 Like, it would have just been, like, droney. Yeah. Oh, so good. oh, she could have done it with a loop and, like, transposed it into a minor key and been like, lies, oh. lies, lies. Everywhere. 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 Your house is on fire. I don't know if we're going to get on the next tour. Do you think we will? I think it's pretty unlikely. Okay, well then. I hope we get it on the next tour. I think you know. She's been running her set list past you, remember? She was like, Eve, what do you think? I'm going to open with Speaking with Trees. And you were like, yes, approved. I just said I don't know, but I do. But I'm not at liberty to say. We'll see how well this episode ages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Your liberty is constipated. <laughs> you can't let it out. David? David? Yes? Wake up. 
Wake up. Oh. You were talking to yourself again. Oh, my David, God. You were listening to Tori Amos Bootlegs in your dreams again. Oh, no. I'm back to the real world. The color's been drained from my life. Everything's drab again. Time to get out of my lounge. Five, get out of the lounge. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. No, no. Hit the snooze, please. No, 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 no. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the AMOS Live Lounge. Goodbye. exhausted david are you ready for a nap yeah (laughs) we've had so many sweet dreams it's just worn me out yeah i know it's that thing where if you sleep so much that you're just like more tired you can't catch up on your sleep yeah it's like marathon sleep yeah or like when you sleep and then you like spend your dreaming life parkouring around the buildings of downtown la like i do sometimes oh yeah me too i'm always like running a marathon a triathlon yeah all the ons i love it i never forget to fly when i sleep (laughs) i don't know about you is that a crystal meth reference is it is this linked to third eye blind like crystal meth will lift you up until you break you're flying i don't know that song yes you do you know semi-charmed life who doesn't know semi-charmed kind of life baby do 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 anyhow if you like what we do please visit us online at songs of tori amos on all of our social media platforms that's instagram twitter facebook you can find us everywhere you can email us songs of at gmail.com if you want to write us a private note you can call us at 323-296-9955 if you want to write us a private note with your voice mm. and what else can they do they can uh oh yeah you can head over to patreon.com slash songs of tori amos if you'd like to become a supporter today yeah you can do that you should do that do that you can also leave us a private acapella voicemail. No one ever sings to us. You know what? I would love that. Please do. Please call and sing songs for Eric. Did you learn anything new today in our episode of Sweet Dreams? I did. I love that Tori is very prescient and is good at predicting the future. You mean the Bush future? Like the fact that George Bush is the father and then became the son? Well, in this case, yeah, that specifically. But I think she does it more often. Well, maybe not more often than not. But she does it other times. Yeah. Anyway, lovely talking to you as always, especially about our dreaming life. And we'll talk again for what's the next song in our chronology. I don't know. Is it a cover? Angie. Oh, my God. We're going to get into some covers. Are you ready? Yeah, we better start doing our vocal warm-ups because that high note is really difficult to hit. Get under the covers with me, David, musically. Well, we'll see. Okay, bye. Bye. Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Should